So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Luke chapter 15, and Catherine will read for us the first two parables of this year's Kingdom Epiphanies. I almost read the benediction. <clears throat> that was Rory's. Um, okay, this is Luke 15, 1 through 7. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear Jesus, and the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So Jesus told them this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who needs no repentance. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so, I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Time's up. God's kingdom is here. Change your life. Repent and believe the message, the good news. That's how Mark begins his gospel, his good news account, in unique fashion. Unlike the other gospel stories, there's no preludes, no backstories. He just jumps right into God with us. Emmanuel arrived in doing the work of his prepared and enlightening purpose. Like Mark, we find our stories of anticipation have already been told. Christmas is over, right? Now it's time to get in on the stories continued and unfolding. Epiphany, that's what this season's about. The light of the world turned on and revealing the light that is the life of humanity arrived, moved into the neighborhood, not coming, but here. We've seen it, seen the glorious wonders of God with us and for us. So let's live as if the kingdom of God is actually here in our midst, lighting our way through life today, tomorrow, and every detail of our living. That's what parables are meant to help us do, to awaken our imagination, our faith, to see beyond the statistics and news reports of the ills of the day and the evil's supposed victories, and see that God's kingdom has come and his will is being done here and now in our daily living, in our struggles, in our marriages, in our work, in our workplaces, in our weaknesses, in our friendships, in our witnessing, our serving, our sharing, and even our worship. And yet, there is a tension of living in the kingdom, God with us, God for us, God moving history, ours and neighbors, local and global towards his, global, his good purposes. And the tension is it doesn't arrive in the fashion that we've imagined, does it? Just as Jesus arrived in a manner that most missed, so too does life with God often arrive in ways that we often miss. So we need stories, more stories this time. Stories that, that cut through our expectations and desires, both good and bad of life full and forever, and get us in on the truth that time is indeed up, or as we ended our Christmas Eve gathering reporting, that the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Each has received a gift. 
Use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. These are the days that we find ourselves at the end's beginning, loved and gifted and called to put to use both. Still, there is a tension of already but not yet that we feel. The poem titled The Kingdom by R.S. Thornton, I think, captures this tension that we feel while living with God. He says it this way, the kingdom, it's a long way off. Doesn't it feel that sometimes? But inside it, there are quite different things going on. Festivals at which the poor man is king and the consumptive is healed. Mirrors in which the blind look at themselves and love looks at them. Back, an industry is for mending the bent bones and the minds fractured by life. It's a long way off, yes, but to get there takes no time and admission is free. If you purge yourself of desire and present yourself with your need only in the simple offering of your faith, green as a leaf. Far off, yet happening strangely enough. A world different in structure and form and function. The poor man as king, the first, last, and the last first, as Jesus would say. The consumptive, the physically ill, and those sick because of overconsumption, healed of what drains life, given what it actually satisfies. The blind seeing, just think about that. The blind seeing, and recognizing love looking back. Industry, our daily labor in whatever form it may take, mends rather than merely produces, or survives, or at worst destroys. Such a life does seem far off at times, doesn't it? Such a world, so full and true and different and whole and complete, seems not like the world that we experience on a day-to-day basis. Like a dream, way off in the distance. Far off, says the poet, and yet it takes no time to get there. And not only is it nearer than we feel, there is no cost for admission. Still, such a life might just cost us everything that we can imagine. Our desires purged, not purged of desire, but our desires made true, removing all the dross, those crusty longings and cravings that would keep us from the best within. Our neediness exposed and embraced rather than dismissed and strategized. Faith offered, not merely kept personal and hidden. Life with God. A condition of complete simplicity, of our natural state, what we are made to be, life with God. Costing not less than everything, as one other poet put it. This season of epiphany, we'll be looking at the paradox of this life with God. Life where God is for us, where the end is beginning, and we are beginning anew. A paradox in which the kingdom is where we are found, our true and natural selves, the place we're supposed to be, and also what we are to go find, giving everything and living into our true selves in place. The paradox that the kingdom itself, on the one hand, is a sheer gift, sheer grace, all achieved for us, achieved in us by Christ. On the other hand, to find it, to recognize it, and to yearn for it is to let go of everything else. Jesus' story and Luke's gospel get us started in recognizing, feeling, and responding to this paradox. So I'm gonna, in just a minute, I'm going to read for them again. But I want to tell you a couple things. 
If you've been a part of Christ City for a while, you know that we've gone through these parables several times. These are some of our favorite parables, right? And so in the sermon notes and on um, uh, the, the series guide, there will be, they'll go up tomorrow, um, you'll have a link to some of our past notes and sermons on these, these texts where we go through a little more cultural details and exegetical details of, the, of these, these parables and stories. But we're going to take a little bit different slant this year. Rather than going into the details of the stories, trying to, to give you and bring out all the little pieces and, and all that, we're going to simply listen. Listen to, uh, to the story in a way to help us get into the story, to help us find ourselves in the story, and to listen to how the Lord might be leading us, to let Jesus speak to us through his scriptures and the Spirit, so that we might be enlightened in how to live, all right? So again, if, if, you're, if, if you're uncomfortable with that, if that's something new for you, um, we'll guide you through it. We'll help you, help you kind of figure out what, what we're doing. Um, but if your bent is also more when you think of preaching and uh, sermons as here's the three points, here's what we're going through, here's all the, 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 the cultural background, the exegetical background, we have all that for you. It's just going to be something you get to chew on during the week. Sounds good? Okay. So let me read for us again these stories. But before I do, I want us to consider a couple things. First, who are we as listeners? Who are we as listeners in the stories? Remember who Jesus is speaking to. Are we the scribes and the Pharisees? The ones who by all outward accounts and some inward as the scriptures tell us are insiders to the kingdom? Ones who think we know what to expect with God but, but are unsettled by God actually with us. So as we listen, are you listening as one who feels like you're an insider? You're in. You're a part of it. You get it. But there's something about these stories and life with Jesus and life with God that is unsettling. That doesn't quite fit your expectations. Or are we the tax collectors and sinners? The ones whose daily living is less than kingdom-oriented. Are we outsiders to life with God? Finding obstacles internally and externally always in our way of getting in on what we desire and what we need. Do we think we're insiders that are a little unsettled by Jesus? Are we outsiders who are attracted to Jesus? There's something about Jesus and the way of Jesus that we long for and we need, but it never really feels like we can get as much traction as we really want. Most likely, we're one of those two, right? So who are you? Who are you listening to these stories? But not just who are you as a listener, but as we read the stories, who are you as a character in the story? Let me tell you who you're not first. We are not the shepherds nor the woman. Some have argued that we could be the friends and community who celebrate the finding of the sheep and the coin, though that seems to be reserved for the heavenly host, right? Regardless, what we do know is that we are not the finders. In truth, we are the sheep or the coins. When we listen to the story, we may not listen as a Pharisee, we may listen as a tax collector, an insider, an outsider, one unsettled, or one longing for more, but we're listening as one who is a sheep, one who is a coin, one who is either a 99 or the 9, already found, or listening as one who is lost. Those who have found themselves separated from the shepherd, maybe intentionally, or perhaps by accident, unattentive to the flock moving on or gone off wondering and unsure of the way back. Or maybe we're those who have found themselves buried by life, under the rug of the dust, lost of purpose and use. 
So who are you in the story? With those two questions in mind, who are we as listeners? Who are we as characters in the story? Ask the Holy Spirit to help you see yourself in the stories. And then listen. Listen to the words and to the still small voice as the words are read. Afterwards, we'll have a minute of silence for you to keep listening, all right? So we'll read the story with those questions in mind, and then we'll have just a moment of quiet. So I'm going to pray for us, asking on your behalf, asking with you and for you, for the Holy Spirit to help us see ourselves in the story. So you pray with me? Father, we thank you that your word was given for us, not just to, um, to dissect and to study, but to... to <laughs> to breathe life into us, to open our hearts and minds through your spirit to see who we are, whose we are, and what we are made for, for life with you. And so I pray for my friends that you would help us see who we are as ones who are listening. Lord, that you help us see who we are as ones gathered, lost, and found again. Give us ears to hear and eyes to see. In your son's name we pray. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to Jesus to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors and says to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents and over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Or, what woman, having 10 silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I found the coin that I had lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Just sit quietly for a moment. If it's helpful, close your eyes or look down at the ground. Take the opportunity to listen, to let your heart quiet.
All right. One more reading. This time, just the stories themselves, not the context. And this time, I'm going to assume that you know who you are in the story. That you've figured out, are you a Pharisee, an insider who is unsettled by the way and words of the kingdom? Are you an outsider who longs to be in, but who finds maybe in being inside more difficult thing than you expected? Are you a sheep who is a part of the 99, a coin that was still in the purse? Or a sheep that's been wandered off, finding itself alone and trying to figure things out? A coin buried under life, lost of purpose and use? I'm assuming you'll know who, who you are in that. So this time as we read, I want you to listen for the paradox, the irony in the story. Jesus says, life with God, God for us, God with us, God at work is like being lost and found. That's what he says, right? The kingdom of God is like a sheep who has gone astray, who's found, right? It's like one who loses a coin and the coin is found, and there's rejoicing. This is what life with God looks like. It's not a conversion so much as a return to what and where you've always been, right? The tax collectors and sinners, the outsiders, aren't just turned away from something, they're brought back into something. What is returned? And where is it returned to? Returned home. And here's the deeper layer of irony. Life with God is not only more like a return to our true selves, our purpose and use and community, as it is being found, is, is being found is equated with repenting. Did you notice that in the story? What does he call the action of the found sheep and the found coin? Repenting. Which is an act of turning, right? Of returning. Usually we think of repenting as an us act. Right? But these stories broaden the action. They don't remove the action completely, but they broaden it. Just think about it. How does the sheep return? How does the sheep repent? How does the coin return? How does the coin repent? How do these stories describe the actions and actors in repenting? Just think about that as the stories are read again. How do these stories describe, I think we have that as a slide up there. Here's your question to consider. There we go. Describe the actors and actions in repenting of changing your life since the time is up, as Mark would say. With those questions in mind, we'll pray again, asking the Holy Spirit to help us see how the kingdom finds us and where being found actually begins. Listen to the words and to the still small voice as the words are read. After, we'll have a minute of silence for you to keep listening. So pray with me. And then after I pray, I'll read. You can keep your eyes closed or your head down just to help you stay in the presence. If your mind begins to wonder, just take a deep breath and come back to the question to consider. We'll, we'll, we'll throw it back up there. Amber will throw it back up there for us after the, um, um, the stories are reread again. Okay? Father, we thank you that life with you is like being a part of a community, a flock who has a shepherd who will 
run after us, leave everything and come grab us and get us and bring us home. And not home with scolding, but home with rejoicing. That life with you, Father, is like being of Lord, great value, purpose, and use. So much so that when we're missing, that everything will be turned over and swept until, Lord, we're found to be who we've made, been made to be. And not with scolding, but with rejoicing, return to the purpose for which we exist. Holy Spirit, help us to see how your kingdom, life with you, finds us. And where being found by you begins. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. Rejoicing even in the labor that it cost him to go and the labor that it will cost him to return. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents.
What is required of the sheep and the coin to be found? It seems like the only requirements are to have been a part of the flock, to have been one who was already a sheep, a coin, but find one who also finds himself separated from family and flock, from usefulness and ability to contribute hidden away, one who finds himself not in the right place, not in the right purpose. In other words, it seems like the requirement was simply the need for a return to our true place and purpose. Remember what Thornton reported in his poem about the kingdom. It's a long way off, but to get there takes no time. To be a sheep, lost, coin buried, feels like life with God is so far away. To be confused as an insider by the words of Jesus and the way of Jesus, feels like life with God is so far away. To be an outsider who longs to be in, but who knows life doesn't always, the way life is being lived doesn't always line up with the kingdom. It feels so far off, but, but in truth, it's not that far off. It takes no time to get there. Because who's the one who came to get us? The sheep didn't go home. The coin didn't return home. The shepherd came and the woman found. And a mission there is free. If you purge yourself of desire and present yourself with your need only in the simple offering of your faith as green as a leaf. It seems like beginning in the kingdom of God is a return to whose and who we are. An assurance of what is hoped that indeed God is with us and God is for us. That he'll come find us. And a conviction of things not seen, that indeed God is the one coming after us. In other words, faith. And it seems like the community of the kingdom enters the joy of the finder when we all are living as ones who are wholly home and longing for it, needing, desiring to be found, which assumes even that the 99 and the 9 were at one point the one also, or should feel similarly. If this revelation of life with God is true and not so far off, what do you and I need to do in order to arrive there also? If this is the image of life with God that Jesus gives us, then what do we need to do in order to arrive there also? For a moment, I want us to consider this question. Life with God is a return to whose and who we are a turning that is first and foremost being found. I think we have a slide for this, maybe, Amber? Yep. Life with God is a return to whose and who we are, a turning that is first and foremost being found. Whether we are currently wandering from our community or our purpose is buried under the dirt of daily life, or maybe we've already been brought home, restored to our full value. How, do the words, how are the words of Jesus leading me to respond? Because here's the thing with Jesus. Here's the thing with all the words that enlighten us to life. They don't just show us the way in hopes that, that we might gain some information, that we might have something to chat about when somebody asks us a question, can fill in some sort of blank of, of our Bible knowledge. But they're shown to us so that we might live. Live full and true and whole and forever. So, 
in some ways, are told always for us to respond. Never just to communicate. Never just for information. But always for response. So, how are the words of Jesus leading you to respond? For a couple minutes, we're just going to sit in that question. So stay up on the screen. Have a moment to ask the Lord, what do I do with this image of a life with you as a return to who's and who I am? A turning that is first and foremost being found. And then, because we've got the time and we've got the space, for a couple minutes, we're going to share some of the things with each other. Because here's the thing about this life together in Jesus, right? We talked about earlier, like when we, every, every Sunday when we get together, we talk about not coming to church, right? We come as a church. That this is just a place where the church gathers so that we can actually be the church outside of here. We can follow Jesus through the ups and downs of life. That we can encourage one another to hold fast to him, to grow into him, to mature into fully who we are and who we've been made to be for our sake, for our neighbor's sake, for the glory of, of God's sake, right? So, as the poem said, the faith that we have isn't simply something we hide away, but something that we offer. So for, we have to talk about these kind of things. And what safer place to talk about these things than in this place, right? What easier place to talk about it than in the midst of the conversation? So let me do this. I'll pray for us one more time. I'll give us a couple minutes to consider how are the words of Jesus leading me to respond. And then we'll break into groups for just a moment and just share if you're comfortable what the Lord is leading you, what the questions that have been popped up throughout our time together is, okay? Pray with me. Father, again, we thank you that Jesus shares with us images and pictures and stories of life with you, of life how it really is with you, in ways, Father, Lord, that both um, encourage us and challenge us so that we might actually be ones who get to experience, to enter the kingdom and experience the fullness of life with you today as ones who wherever we are, have been found, have arrived, because Christ has arrived for us. So give us ears to hear, eyes to see, Lord, in the courage and faith to be obedient in our response. In your son's name we pray, amen.
All right. For just a couple minutes, with the person next to you, whether your spouse, your neighbor, somebody down the row, groups of two, four, or whatever, chat. <laughs> Let them in a little bit on maybe what you've heard. And if you didn't hear anything, that's okay. Maybe just share some of the questions you have. Some of the things that are kind of confusing or unsettling or just kind of where your mind is in the moment. Helping each other process what God is saying to us. You might have recognized before we do that, just real quickly, like what we just done is Lectio Divina. If you've been around Christ City for a while, again, you're familiar with it, maybe even um, outside of Christ City. But divine listening, it's an old practice, goes back thousands of years in our faith history. And it's simply listening, contemplating, responding to the Lord. It's the way in which the early church was trained to know the scriptures. Not just to memorize them, that was good, they needed those things, but to be ones who actually let the scriptures shape their life. So what we've done today It's in all of our practices, our following Jesus practices. We've been doing this for years, right? This is the same thing you can do at home, same thing you can do with others in gospel community. It's a way to to know the scriptures so that we might actually live them. So, welcome to the insider on that part. Right now you're on the insider. Cool. All right, so break up into groups. You got about four minutes to chat it up, four or five minutes, and just talk about what the Lord's put on your heart over the last 20 minutes. Sounds good? Chaz will, when you hear Chaz playing, that will be your cue to stop chatting and stand up. Sound good? Great. Ready, break.